Damn. Um, all right, so it's been months and months and months and months since our last podcast. I think we left our uh, all five of our listeners uh, from, from the sunny beaches of Kona, and we, we're no longer there for sure. Uh, eventful winter. Uh, I broke a wrist. I uh, got a tooth removed. Uh, Chris, you had some stuff done on your, your nether regions. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the junk got, uh, got a little more care than what I was, what I was really ever anticipating it would. So, but here we are beginning of May, our taints are in good shape. Our teeth are back in our heads. Our wrists are intact. Taint no thing. Taint no thing. Uh, we actually have a fun one too. Yep. (laughs) So we're back. Uh, we'll, we'll just call this season two. We needed to stop and, you know, really, really get our feedback from all five of our listeners uh incorporate it and i think we got some good stuff for sure in this first episode we're going to be talking to some of our favorite folks from from around the gravel world we got uh t burke swindlers from the crusher and the tusher uh we got matt lato talking about the oregon trail gravel grinder uh and then uh mr jim uh cummins in the lane talking uh talking dk so we're gonna kind of go take a little spin around the gravel universe and talk to some of our favorite folks about what they have planned for everybody this summer in, in all, all three events that we're doing. So that's sort of, I guess, the, the theme of this is places, things we're going to do, places we're going to go, people we're going to talk to. For sure. And we already have some plans, believe it or not. Uh, we, we did some planning uh, for some episodes coming up on some fun stuff. We're going to take a look at kind of what the modern bike looks like, uh, what, what, what the changes in gravel geometry, everything else, um, sort of, sort of what has happened in the industry over the last couple of years. And, um, I think should have some fun, exciting stuff. The, uh, the sort of theme is that, you know, we're going to try to, to talk to a bunch of our friends from around the gravel universe and, and may not have so many episodes where it's just one guest. We're going to try to kind of mix it up and bring in a bunch of folks to, on a, on a given subject, to to ruminate on it. So we're excited about it. I think it'll be a little different feel. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, anything I missed, Chris? No, that, that sums it up. Now we just have to do it. <laughs> now but the, the response it. was overwhelming. I got to tell you, <laughs> there's no joke. At least four people, maybe five asked me like, when's the podcast come back? Totally most random times too. Not like, wouldn't even have expected those kind of, you know, that person to listen to like, um, my cousin's wife and stuff like that, you know? So, <laughs> um, not that I wouldn't have thought my cousin wouldn't, but, um, yeah. you just never really know. We never really know who's out there lurking. I, my wife like refuses to listen to it. She listens to podcasts like literally all day. Not this one, not this one. Yeah. It's not for my wife either, but we're going to get them because this year, season two, we got some surprises in store. You know, we should do one on, um, we should do a, uh, uh, sports widows podcast and bring our wives on. I think that's a great call. Just hand it over to them. It could get out of control. It could get out of hand. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to take risks in life, you know, that's right. And that's exactly what we're going to do here on season two of, uh, of outdoor office podcast. So stick with us. We got some fun stuff coming up, a bunch of fun interviews and, uh, yeah, we got a lot in store this season. So, uh, Apologies for the prolonged absence. We're uh, we're fully healed and ready to go. Let's do this. We're back. All right. So Burke Swindlehurst, T. Burke, is the director of Crusher and the Tusher. Um, you know, we kind of talk about the sort of monuments of, of mixed surface or gravel riding. 
Uh, Crusher is certainly one of those kind of the truly iconic events in this space. Um, and so, Burke, we're going to be talking to you and and I think I mentioned a couple other uh, gravel race directors kind of throughout the course of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And either Chris or I will be doing every single one of those events. Um, and I have to say that Crusher is the one that scares me the most. <laughs> Uh, and, and I think I figured out why you have no fat guys in your promo material. <laughs> we need like, we need more people, you know, like myself, maybe had a few too many beers over the winter. Uh, you know, give, give folks like me some confidence. We might actually be able to compete this. Complete oh, this you, thing you'll, you've concocted. you'll complete it for sure. <laughs> I have faith. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I'm feeling a little bit better anyway. So Burke, what, um, give us like a, kind of like a quick overview of, of, of what Crusher is and, and what the course looks like and kind of what you've put together there. Uh, geez. Like, so we're headed into our ninth year, which is just mind blowing to me to think about. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially the, the Crusher is a, uh, 70 mile, uh, course mixed surface. Uh, so there is about 30 miles of pavement and 40 miles of, uh, fire roads and gravel and just kind of unruly rude dirt thrown in there in places. <laughs> and, uh, and of course a healthy dose of climbing as in over 10,000 feet. Is it over 10,000 feet? Yeah. That's an important number to mention. I think a healthy dose is for people who are exceptional climbers and they're professional clear as a bike racer, call it a <laughs> healthy dose. The rest of us call it like Mount Everest. Yeah. Climbing. A kill shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did know, Burke, that there does seem to be a hot tub somewhere in proximity to the finish line. Can you there is. That? So the, uh, the finish line <laughs> is up at a, a ski resort, and they do have some some hot tubs in the vicinity. So Awesome. So someone can just take me in a wheelbarrow over there and dump me in that? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it all depends on the weather. You know, people either end up in a hot tub or, or soaking in the creek, depending on oh, you know, you what go. the day holds in terms of go. temperature. So. <laughs> yeah, because the weather down there can be pretty variable, right? Yeah, actually, um, especially like the last two years, uh, two years ago, we had, we actually had a 60 degree temperature swing during the race. So there were racers that were experiencing a hundred plus degrees in an area we call the Sarlacc pit, which is kind of on the (laughs) back side of the course. Nice Star Wars reference. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, later that day, those same riders who were, you know, riding through 103, 104 degrees were suddenly you know, being pelted with hail and 40 degrees and rain. So it, it was a, it was a pretty exceptional year for, for weather. Um, and, and I, w- I was actually freaking out the whole time, you know, I'm just oh, like, sure. as yeah. a race promoter, I mean, that's, that's, if you're not freaking out all the time, you're not doing your job, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but uh, I was really freaking out and, uh, you know, people started trickling, trickling across the line and I thought they were going to be, you know, some, some grumbling and people were like, Oh, that was the best edition ever. So I was like, <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, that kind of crowd. thing sucks when you're doing it. It sucks big time, but then it makes it so much more epic when you're done. You know, yeah. if there was this additional curveball to make a tough day even tougher. That turns right. it into epic. Yep. <laughs> Any job of the huts in your pit? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I've I've heard people have seen uh, garden gnomes and. <laughs> such things uh mostly apparitions and hallucinations but i haven't heard anybody mention job of the hut yet but okay all right good to know <laughs> don't have to look out for that so let's talk a little bit about gear too because i think more than any uh, more than most events the sort of conditions that crusher throws at you are are probably more varied than than almost any event mm-hmm. um 
And I, I know from talking to you previously, there really isn't sort of like a one size fits all approach to, to how you want to set up going into Crusher, but any kind of like good over like general guidelines you can provide in terms of like, here's what you might want to think about uh, when, when putting together your setup for Crusher? Yeah, for sure. I mean, over the years, I mean, I'd say, you know, if there were some really key things, uh, definitely, you know, gearing, um, I always recommend, you know, people have at least a one-to-one gear ratio for, for climbing, uh, especially on the, what, what we call the cold to crush, which is kind of like the, the big daddy climb on the backside of the course. Um, you know, so, I mean, for people don't, uh, who don't know the, you know, terminology one-to-one, but basically like up front, you've got say a 30, 38 tooth chain ring. You want at least a 38 in the back as well to, to mate with it. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's something I would recommend for any rider, regardless of, of their fitness level. Um, just because the, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen professional riders actually walking their bikes up that climb, you know, like good riders. <laughs> In fact, there was one rider, uh, geez, what was that? Five years ago. I thought he was going to win the race. Like he was just going to run away with it. And uh-huh. then, you know, we get on the cold to crush and we get halfway up it. Next thing I know he's walking his bike. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was because Tim, I think he, this might be reinforcing your concerns. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like know, a bell. Was, this podcast is having a bell curve relative to my concern. <laughs> yeah. They're not entirely misplaced. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So the, this guy was a cross racer and I, I basically told him like, yeah, you need one-to-one gearing. And he's like, ah, I'll be, I'll just run my cross gearing. So mm-hmm. I think he showed up with like a 36, you know, for, for his small ring and like a 28 in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and he definitely paid the price for that. <laughs> and so just so I know what I'm getting into and can kind of mentally prepare myself, talk me through the, the cold to crush. What are we looking at here? Like by the numbers? Uh, so essentially the cold to crush comes at about, I would say mile 50 in the, in the event. And that's the, the preamble to that is what, you know, what we've already talked about the, the Sarlacc pit. So you're coming out of a town called, uh, uh, not junction. Oh, geez. I'm having a total brain fart now. Um, Circleville, <laughs> uh, out of the town of Circleville, you're just kind of rolling through some farm fields and then pretty soon, um, you know, the road transitions from pavement back to gravel and you'll make a left turn and all of a sudden you'll find yourself climbing. It doesn't look like that much of a climb, mm-hmm. but it turns out it actually is, it's, it's, it's deceptive. It's rocky. It's loose. It can be sandy. And so that's why we call it the Sarlacc mm-hmm. pit. Cause it just feels like you're, you're just kind of like swimming through glue in that <laughs> section regardless of, yeah. of, you know, how good you feel yeah. or, you know, anything like that. And so that's, that's probably a five mile section that you go through and then you make a left turn onto the base of the coal to crush. And, uh, that, you know, even for like, you know, the fastest riders in the field, that's going to be a 40 plus minute climb, the coal to crush itself. Uh, and for, for most riders, it's probably, you know, right around an hour that it takes from bottom to top. Nice. And, uh, um, I, you know, sustained grades of 12%, uh, you know, there's washboards are very common. Um, and it's just one of those climbs where you're, you know, you really can't get traction. So you're, you're pretty much seated, uh, going up the whole thing, which is why, you know, having, uh, you know, the, the proper gearing to stay light on the pedals and keep a good cadence is important. Otherwise your, you know, your hamstrings are going to lock up, your back's going to lock up, you know? So yeah, that's, that's kind of what you're. Kind of what you're in for. Can we, can we pause this? I'm going to go change my shorts. <laughs> um, so um, ninth year. What uh, what's new this year? What uh, anything changing? Uh, what what should 
what should people know maybe have done in the past or looking at doing again? You know, I mean, so we've kind of had a tradition where we don't really change much of anything. And, and you know, I, I think we're one of the few races that doesn't, you know, kind of try and mix things up from year to year. And part of that's just, uh, you know, the, the course itself would be difficult to change. Um, but also I, I like, I like things that, I don't know, looking back on my own career is like one of my favorite races was tour, was tour of the Gila. And what I loved about it so much was that I, you know, I, I went to that race over the span of 20 years and it was like, I'd go there and I knew exactly what I was getting. It was like a time capsule. Everything, you know, the courses stayed the same. It was like this nice little, um, you know, I, I want to say Groundhog Day, but in a in a good way, yeah, where you're sure. going and you're like, oh yeah, you know, like the world is a changing place, and you know, it doesn't seem like you can ever uh, feel like anything's going to stay the same. And then you go to this race, and you're like, yeah, things, you know, this place is still the same. It's awesome. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you know what you're getting, and and uh, you know, a lot of people also, you know, they there are only you know a handful of people in, in each category that really have a legitimate shot at, at you know, racing for a podium in, in an event like Crusher. So for most people, they're coming on, they're trying to beat themselves from last year. So, you know, having it on the same course, people are able to go back and say like, oh, I trimmed five minutes off my time this year, you know, and that's a victory. Any, so yeah. for those of us too, coming out of town, we want to highlight, like, is there a, a restaurant or two or like some stuff to check out in the area that you definitely recommend people hit up? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so my, I have a few favorite places to eat. I love the Timberline restaurant. Uh, that's on the, that's on the South exit, uh, near the interstate, um, off of I-15 in Beaver. And then, uh, there's a, another place that just opened up. It's called the Creamery. Uh, and they, it's kind of like a dairy that has been given a makeover, but it's, it's amazing as well. They've got just all kinds of like cool, like cheeses and sandwiches, you know, breakfast sandwiches, lunch sandwiches. And it's, it's a really great facility. Um, they actually have some pretty cool interactive stuff for kids, uh, that show how, you know, cheese and other dairy products are made. And, uh, it's actually kind of cool. Like you go in there and check it out and the, the kids are like all over it and you go over and look at it and you're like, Oh yeah, there's you know, I spend some time gotta go. <laughs> for five minutes to see how cheese is we are made. definitely a pro cheese podcast. So that's good to know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Burke, I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, I'm uh, we're looking forward to, yeah. to seeing you in July uh, down there in Utah. I think I think we're looking yeah. forward to it. We're we'll see yeah, you in yeah, July. Yeah. It'll, it'll it'll be good. It's you know it's that type <laughs> yeah, two exactly. fun. So awesome. You know, can't get enough of it. It's still fun. Burke, <laughs> always a pleasure. Yeah, me too. I, I I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Burke. Have a good one. Yep. See you, Chris. Take care. So I should be firing it. <laughs> this should be awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, we have Matt Lado here to talk about the Oregon Trail gravel grinder, and I think this one this one's going to require a little bit of a backstory. So I want to take our listeners, all four of them, back to Sunday. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a, 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 a time frame here, just so our, our listeners understand what, what's going on. About 9 a.m., Matt's at the start of the Cascade Gravel Grinders Three Creek Ride. Somewhere around, we'll call it 1 o'clock. Uh, no longer on his bike. Still still riding gravel, at least for a few feet. 
about 4 p.m. He's looking at an x-ray showing a busted up elbow. Uh, we'll, we'll move to Monday. Just before going into surgery, he receives an email from a couple idiots about doing a podcast to which he replies, sure. He then goes into surgery and here he is talking to those same idiots on a podcast, uh, one day removed from surgery and two days removed from a pretty gnarly crash. So nothing can stop this man from talking into a microphone. He's our hero, Matt Lado. Hey, hey guys, uh, and the other four people. Yeah, uh, amazing what a little, uh, a little uh, narcotics will do for motivation. It's good stuff. Excellent. He's, he's got game. He's got endurance and game. Say, say no to drugs. True endurance athlete. Just keeps on pushing through. Ignores it. Ignores the discomfort and 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 uh, and uh, makes peace with it. Yeah, as much as as much as I can, for sure. Um, how are you guys doing? What have you been up to? You know, riding bikes, listening to your podcast, which we should plug right off the top. Oh, there you go. Uh, Pale in comparison to what you guys are doing, for sure. (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) I only need ditch diggers too, Matt. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Um, So, so yeah, we wanted to have you on. Uh, I think we first exchanged emails last fall. You did a little Instagram post about this uh, Oregon Trail gravel grinder. And just like it was just this little kind of morsel, this little like internet nugget that you just threw out there. And both Chris and I, I think, saw it and independently maybe and thought, oh, shit, like that that looks, that's, they got something going there. Uh, and we talked a little bit about it in Kona. Uh, and as all five of our listeners can attest, the uh, the wind conditions were a little trying on uh, on the porch there. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. So, yeah, so we figured we'd... Uh, we check back in with you and uh, I know we have like a month or so, a little, little more than a month to go and just kind of wanted to see what you guys were up to. Well, I'm now, of course, uh, you know, counting it by weeks. <laughs> so when I go see my follow-up appointment with uh, my doc, I can see if uh, <clears throat> the weeks line up or not. But yeah, I think we're like, uh, I'd say seven weeks, eight weeks out maybe. Uh, but uh, to a five-day stage race, I think, you know, there's been some other um, gravel kind of omnium slash stage races in the past, but I, I feel like this is maybe the first true, uh, at least uh, longer distance gravel stage race. And it's one huge loop over five days. So, um, pretty excited about it. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the bonus of my, my injuries is that the thing I was most excited about was the off the bike stuff for the race. So I'll still be able to participate in that. And uh, I'll probably be leading the charge in, <laughs> in all likelihood. So that's excellent. Good. So, yeah. So like talk us through, I mean, I, I'm obviously familiar and, and I know Chris has written a bunch in, in central Oregon here, but sort of like w- what those roads are going to be like, like kind of what kind of gravel folks can expect. It's uh, and, and it's obviously going to vary, but just, you know, paint, yeah, paint a picture, fine. if you will. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, f- for us in Central Oregon, you know, I, I was a professional triathlete for a long time and um, I spent, uh, you know, our winters are a little bit different. They can be a little cooler, snow on the ground, and uh, you got to be creative sometimes with where you ride. And Central Oregon has always had um, rad gravel roads, and that's always been a huge part of my training. Um, I think I've done three cross races in my life and I've owned a cross bike for 14 years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, done all the gravel roads and, and that being said, I've done the gravel roads on my cross bike, but I've done most of my gravel roads or most of the gravel roads on my TT bike. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the, 
you know, and I've set some, I, I've set some KOMs on some gravel roads that will be hard to beat unless you're also on a, a very nice time trial bike. <laughs> um, so we'll, uh, we'll see if those stand, but, um, yeah. So that being said, those, you know, those two bikes could actually be ridden on the, the same road at different times. Our, sure. our, yeah. Yeah, yeah. our, our roads change in quality over the season, right? So we can have super, super buff roads where you're riding a 23C tire um, and it's no big deal. And then there's some like the roads we raced this weekend, um, you know, 40C uh, would be the minimum that I would run, right? So, sure. um, you know, for us, the, the roads on, on the race are super scenic. Um, it's, I think it's like 90% or 85% gravel. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, a lot of the roads that we're doing in the race, I had not seen until we started looking at putting the race on and they're, they're going out to some, some rad spots. Like outside of Oak Ridge, we did, uh, one of the, one of the stages, uh, last year and in 60 miles, we saw one car and it was parked at a trailhead. Um, so you're you're out there. We saw some cougar prints, but, uh, no cars. So, um, that's the kind of, kind of vibe we're getting. And I'd say most, most of the ride is going to be, you know, pretty smooth on, you know, maybe 35s, 40s, but then there's one stage where we're actually on a historic, um, uh, historic old wagon road. And, you know, if you had them, you know, 650B, uh, would be the way to go or some 45s and some pretty, uh, there's going to be some rugged stuff. There's going to be some people that, that, uh, think, gravel racing is all buff roads where maybe you can get away with the 30 and that's certainly not going to be the case here. <laughs> so, uh, and talk to us a little bit too about the format. Cause I know there's like, there's a competitive aspect, but you can also just kind of chill and take it in. Totally. Right. So the idea was, you know, gravel has, you guys know clearly like the gravel scene has, we don't know much. Gone. You should, you should explain most of it. <laughs> Assuming yeah. nothing. Yeah. I, so we're riding on 23 so, three yeah. tires on a uh, triathlon bike on gravel roads. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it, uh, it could be fruitful. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean the, uh, yeah, the roads are, the roads are sweet and, um, I'm sorry. I just blanked cause I'm on oxy. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> this is perfect. No, we were saying, uh, so there's like a competitive aspect to it. If you really want to race the, the, the five days, you can do that. If you kind of want to just sit in and, and enjoy the scenery and, yeah. and keep an eye out for cougars, I, you can I'm do like, that too. See how I paused it in there and I thought like I'd start talking and it would come to me. Yeah, no, I liked how you kept rolling. That was good. You're a pro. See, this is, this is, this is why we have you on. Yeah. Well, so the idea uh, of the race was, you know, gravel has changed a lot and the, I think people are starting, it's a lot of times it's just a race. Like I've shown up to gravel races and people would think, yeah, yeah, it's a gravel race. So that's the point. But that hasn't really been what gravel racing was. I don't think until last year, maybe where like I did land run and it was sweet and I had a great time, but I was like, man, that was a road race and I could see people having a great time doing it. But for me, it was just highly competitive and a bunch of tacks and there can be negative racing where this race, we're going to force people to have fun. And <laughs> if you don't want to have fun, um, you're, you're going to be in for it. Uh, but I mean, and then one way to do that is it's basically forced camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a five day race. So it's kind of like BC bike race style where we're taking all your stuff and we're, um, you know, you know, it, depending what, um, route you sign up for, we'll set your tent up for you. You set it up for yourself, but we'll have, you know, camping entertainment, we'll have music every night. Um, and also have games. We may or may not have games that uh, affect the GC at the end of the week. Oh, that's nice. Um, So it's one of those things that 
if you come if you come with a team car and a bunch of guys trying to play team tactics, we'll probably just change the rules along the way to make sure. You- <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you did say cougars too, so that that nighttime stuff should be should be going off. <laughs> I see, I see what you did there. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that, but you know what the hell. That's <laughs> uh, all good. You can't you can't hold it all back. Um, but yeah, no, we're super we're super excited. We've got a good. Uh, pro field come in a lot of fast racers so we've got you know those racers that are you know going to be competitive but also athletes that we know are going to have a good time and um are going to partake in um all the festivities uh, post-race and um whose goal is to have a good time and have fun on bikes and not necessarily win at all costs i think that's our goal is to keep the original vibe of gravel uh rolling while you guys are at kanza getting uh ripped apart by ef (laughs) (laughs) only a few fools uh sorry only a few misguided individuals are going to do that and learn the hard way um so speaking of the the race format is it is it like a traditional bike race point to point first one across the line wins or is it like the new sort of i don't know if enduro style is the right way but you know time segments that there's certain elements that you're racing for parts and then you're regrouping and kind of, you know, a little more social and hang, hanging out for other parts. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a thought. We had looked at that because I actually, I really um, enjoy, you know, Grindero is one of my favorite races. I think that's a super fun way to also force people or try to force people to have fun. Um, people still race the non-time sections at Grindero for some reason. I can't figure out why, but um, no, but uh, I think for this race, it's so long that I think, after a couple of days, you'll kind of know what group you're in. And I think people will there, you know, once you settle the lead group or the second group or whatever group you're in, people are going to race, are going to try to hold off the actual quote unquote racing till as late as possible in each stage. Right. So my, my guess is that the first stage maybe will full, be full on. And then after gaps of 10 and 20 minutes are formed pretty quickly after a few days, I think there'll be a lot of, um, you know, times that feel like kind of a group ride with your pals and then um, racing at the end of that. But we've also set it up so that instead of, you know, a group of buddies getting together and doing a five day bike packing trip, they can just come do this because it's, we're actually going through really cool terrain that you'd, you'd want to go ride and we're supporting you throughout the whole thing. So I think, um, you know, it's up to people whether or not they want to be competitive or not, but I think we'll have a competitive group that will still be, um, Will there be BB guns? Yeah. Uh, there may or may not be BB guns. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we got to be PC these days, so you oh, know we right. don't we don't know if uh, you know we don't we don't know if we're gonna have guns or not, or if we're just gonna be throwing paper towels at each That's other. We'll see. <laughs> well, there are cougars, so you know there will be fun at night. Um, so, uh, you don't who are some of the, what's that? If at first you don't succeed, try the joke. Go back to the well. <laughs> That's right. You got five nights. This is, a, it's, it's a stage race. Um, we'll see who really has game. Uh, so speaking of game, who are some of the, the pros or called the noted, no, notable individuals who are, who are going to be there? Uh, who do we have? We've got, uh, We've got Carl Decker is on board. Uh, Josh Berry is on board. He's racing. Uh, Ouch. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll be a good one. Uh, Allison Tetrick is racing. 
Um, we've got who else do we have? Um, Yuri, so Yuri. Yuri's yeah. on there. Um, Amity Gregg is on there. Uh, we've got uh, Andy Chastine is coming. Barry Wicks is coming. Um, yeah, there's a fair a fair amount fair amount of folks. There'll be you know there's a lot more too, but. Um, you know, well, my, and my this memory, is actually uh, this is actually a good point. Uh, <laughs> folks should again, all four of our listeners, you should definitely follow uh, follow these guys on social because you guys have been having a lot of fun rolling out the various riders who are coming with this kind of Western theme uh, with these kind of like wanted posters, and it's always hilarious just to see what what comes up there. And this is also a bummer because uh, Matt, I was I was waiting for your poster to pop up there so we could, uh, of course, give you relentless shit about it. But I think we have your nickname now. One Arm Bandit, right? What's my nickname? <laughs> uh, uh, my buddies, my buddies already okay, call me the China go. Doll because uh, in, the, in the last year I've broken a collarbone, uh, a leg, and uh, now this elbow. So, and a couple things in my back and some ribs. <laughs> so it's uh, China Doll, One Arm Bandit. I'll take it. Cool. Well, Matt Lado, much appreciate you doing this, uh, especially given the circumstances. We're uh, we're we're happy to have you on the uh, on the podcast. Well, yeah, I appreciate. It. I'm sure this was the most entertaining oh. ten minutes of your podcast. No doubt, it's it definitely the most uh, narcotic fueled for sure. <laughs> yeah, anytime you want to be on with Oxy, just just holler. I'd love to have you back. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. I appreciate that. Okay, we're here with uh, two legends of the gravel world, Jim Cummins and Leland Danes. And uh, thank you guys for taking a minute. I know we are just feet from margaritas, so we won't we won't take too long on this one. We've we've got priorities yeah, here. We do. Um, so uh, we're a month away from DK, which seems impossible, but here we are. Um, so what's what's new for this year? What's what's changing a little bit? Well, um, there are some new additions, as uh, there almost are every year. But uh, one of the things that has me probably most excited is uh, we've got Mike Friedman, former Olympic cyclist. Um, since retiring, he's created a nonprofit, Pedaling Minds. Um, and the objective is to get uh, more kids riding bikes. And so he runs the gamut from little, little kids um, learning to ride for the first time ever all the way up to teenagers. And he can do STEM program and teach kids how uh, the bicycle works and how it can power light bulbs and all that sort of stuff and so specifically this year at Dirty Kansas though he's working with the younger age groups because um, the, the ten, 10 years old and up can participate in our other events we wanted to focus on the younger kids which we haven't really targeted before so and Mike in addition to himself he's bringing Danny Pate um, I think Jesse Anthony sounds like he might be coming to help out so these are obviously they're very skilled cyclists but they're super down-to-earth amazing guys and gals that he works with and these kids uh, registration for that is open now it's on our website dirtykanza.com and i really encourage people to take advantage of that opportunity bring the family bring the kids and get them involved yeah i think everybody can agree that that's that's a that's a great thing you see happen so now, you guys, on that similar note with youth cycling, uh, have, in Northern California, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people are, I guess, across the country now, people are familiar with uh, NICA, and you guys are doing something similar 
in Kansas with gravel. Can you can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. Well, um, we thought if it could work in the mountains, why can't it work in the plains? And uh, I swindled a group of an amazing group of people uh, into forming a committee with myself, and uh, we worked the past oh eight eight nine months or so, and we put in a bid for NICA. And uh, we're hoping that all goes uh, like we hope and that we'll be partnering up with NICA to create a league. Now, the focus was meant to be on gravel cycling. It sounds like for the first year we're probably going to introduce into mountain biking because that's a model uh, that, that is known. Um, but we are going to work with them over the years to pioneer high school gravel racing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's it's. I, I think a lot of people know that you know cycling has been on the ropes and participation has been down. And it's, it's great to see the sort of non-traditional roots and especially you know event organizers doing a part to to really start rebuilding cycling from the ground up in the way that you know kids want to ride bikes and making it about fun instead of just competition so exactly fantastic so jim a little bit about the course this year so it's there's a little bit of rumor out there that the course is changing it's going north so what can you what can you tell us about the course? And of course, knowing everybody should also who's doing the race know that uh, Memorial Day is when the course is announced. So what can yeah. you tell us before? Yeah. The so the is rumors announced? are true. We do have a brand new course for this year. Uh, I'm really excited about it. In fact, I, I'd go so far as to say uh, that this is my favorite course of all time, and mm-hmm. I think it will become that for a lot of people. Um, uh, we're going north, uh, and if you're familiar familiar at all with uh, uh, the Flint Hills and the area around Emporia, uh, we're going up into Wabunsee County. Uh, the roads up there are amazing. Um, they uh, don't go straight for any length of time at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they twist and turn and meander all over the place. Uh, huge hills, uh, more trees up there than, than what we've seen in some of our other places. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful setting. Uh, the roads are pretty chunky up there. Yeah. They, they tend to use uh, really, really large gravel up there. And uh, But it's just going to be an, an amazingly scenic um, and uh, challenging and therefore rewarding uh, route, I believe. Yeah. Sounds a little scary, too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Folks would be wise to be a little scared, yeah. <laughs> to, to, be, to be prepared. Yeah, right? be prepared. Prepared yes. to be unprepared. Yeah. So what, what are a couple of things specifically that people should be prepared for this year that perhaps yeah. is a little bit different than, than maybe the past few? Well, probably the, the biggest change uh, is uh, the number of checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, usually, we have three checkpoints in the 200-mile distance. Um, one year in our history, we uh, only had two checkpoints. That was 2015, the infamous year of the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, this year's course will also uh, only have two checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that's going to mean is that that middle leg between checkpoint one and checkpoint two uh, is quite a stretch. It's an eight, about an 87-mile stretch. Now, to uh, help riders with that, we will have a neutral uh, water oasis uh, halfway through that long stretch so riders don't have to carry 87 miles worth of water they do need to carry 87 miles worth of nutrition mm-hmm. uh, and be ready to be on the bike for that long uh, but we will assist them uh, with a, a, a water oasis halfway through that uh, but I think uh, uh, this is actually a good thing um, and and where I'm going with that is by far and away um, 
the vast majority of people who abandon the dirty cans of 200 midway uh, do so at the at the midway checkpoint. Mm, ah, well, so this is taking we've, away that we've eliminated. So we've eliminated that temptation. <laughs> you yeah. go past checkpoint so one, you, you're you, committed. Yeah, you get past checkpoint one, like and it. you make that long 87 mile stretch, and yep. you find yourself at checkpoint two. Uh, you, you're almost done. Yeah. You only have 45 miles to go, and it's relatively relatively flat. So. Um, uh, in 2015, when we only had two checkpoints, that was our highest rate of finish year ever. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I want to encourage people not to get too hung up on the fact that there's only two checkpoints. Um, and just uh, be prepared for that 87-mile leg, and you're going to have an amazing day. Be prepared to bring enough food, obviously, That's maybe right. third spare, yeah. uh, patch kit, you some know, boots. Right. some right. boots, exactly. Oh, so. Yeah. Leland, what do you think now, knowing the route up there, what would you do tire-wise, and uh, and would you run aero bars or no aero bars, given, like, last year was definitely an aero bar friendly course, yeah. I would say. Would yeah. you say it's worth it this year, or maybe not so much? Well, so let's dive into tire choice for starters. I'm really excited about what folks are doing on 650s. Um, obviously, that uh, by shortening that profile, it gives you a little more room within the fork and the rear triangle, so you can put something a little wider on there. Um, my my tip or my hot tip i guess on that would be 45s i think that's a, a really sweet um, width and then after that make sure it's hardy make sure it's got uh, a strong strong sidewall to prevent some cuts and stuff um, and then as far as arrow bars um i don't think you'll spend quite as much time in them mm-hmm. on this year's course mm-hmm. um, of course any if you do choose to run arrow bars there's a time and a place for them in the packs, not usually a good time for it, and uh, descending loose gravel uh, is probably not a good yeah. time for it. And so, based on what Jim was saying and what I know as well, there's probably a large percentage of the time that you will opt not to even use them. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this uh, sounds good. Anything else? Uh, anything else to add? I know it's again, we're a month away. We're all going to be there. Come come early. Uh, our expo is going to be twice the size as it was last year. Uh, and uh, it will be uh, Thursday and Friday this year as opposed to last year the expo was Friday and Saturday. So the expo is Thursday and Friday and it's going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. So come to Emporia early and stay and enjoy our great town. Yeah, so the expo, if I remember right, the expo last year doubled from the year before and this year it is doubling Doubling from last year, which is pretty amazing, uh, you know, what you guys have built and, you know, and what you're doing. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you both. We'll see you in Emporia. Thanks, Chris.